I'm so glad you are here today, with us today, to celebrate and to focus on heaven. We are in the last two chapters of the Bible. There's a lot of chapters in the Bible. But the last two chapters are, of course, unique. They're special. They uh, are set apart from any other words in the Bible, although there's things that the rest of the Bible says about them and vice versa. But the last two chapters of the Bible are very, very special uh, for a number of reasons, as the whole Bible is, but especially as we've been on this journey um, through the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, which has been a, an incredible book, uh, an amazing book. Um, uh, we've come today to a most beautiful description of what heaven is like. And so today and, la- and next Sunday, Lord willing, I want to focus on what heaven will be like. There are amazing delights in these two chapters. If your heart is open to believing in eternal life, you have to see in these two chapters some incredibly beautiful things to think about. And what God gives us in ways of glimpses about eternity, about what we will be like, what God will be like, glimpses into the wonder of heaven. Chapter 21 and 22, I described the book of Revelation as God pulling back the curtain on time to allow us to look into the end times. Well, chapters 21 and 22 is all the way at the end of the curtain. And uh, we have some beautiful descriptions about eternity and about heaven. Just drawing back the curtain shows us a large number of mysteries about heaven. What I should say is it, it, uh, it just opens up more mysteries about what heaven is like. It's not like God tells us everything about heaven that we might want to know or might be thinking about, but God does tell us a lot about heaven. And God also made us with imaginations. God made us as people with creativity and the ability to think about what things are like. And so I've told people before, there's nothing wrong at all with speculating about what heaven is. I think it's great to dream. It's great to think about. Some of the things we might think heaven's going to be like might be true, might be accurate, and they might not be at all. But just the idea of what heaven is like is really a great privilege for Christians to have as they think about the greatness of heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Think about that. Nobody's yet seen it. Nobody's really yet heard the story. Nobody has really ever yet really conceived what God's preparing for all of eternity. But we have glimpses, and we have things about it that are special. For many people, heaven represents happy reunions. And so many people that I talk to as being a pastor, people are think, excuse me, thinking about eternity. 
They're thinking about friends that have gone beyond or family that have gone before. They're thinking about uh, so many things about life and about uh, the future and eternity. And they think about eternity in view of relationships and being um, together with people again. This picture that I have up here right now, I, I could, of course, all the pictures I take off the internet, but it just kind of seemed to capture to me what so many people say to me about what they think about heaven. It's a time of reunion. It's a time of seeing people that, that uh, have gone on before us. And many people think in these terms. And again, we don't know all these things, but we speculate about them and think about them. For others, if you go to that next screen, heaven is represented by all kinds of other ideas and things. Some see it as that time when we take the hand of, of Jesus and we somehow can look into the face of Jesus for the first time and see His wonder and the wonder of God. Some people think of heaven in terms of beauty, colors, and, and a peaceful seams and streams of water and so many things. There's so many different things that we can think about heaven. I want to ask you today to help me. I mentioned before, I'd just like to hear a few descriptions of what you think heaven may be like. Maybe it might be what you hope heaven is, and maybe it's something that you've always speculated about. But I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. A word, a few words, a, a phrase, an expression. This is your opportunity today. What do you think about heaven? It's Say that? It's beautiful. it's beautiful. Okay. Put your hands up, would you? I can't tell unless I just guess. I think of the freedom. Mm. Freedom. Excellent. All right. Okay. Are we on up there with this one? Okay. Thank you. All right. Lonnie and then Pat. I think it's peaceful and serenity. Serenity and peacefulness, okay? Being with Jesus. Being with Jesus. I think of uh, the, the, I guess the practical side where we're, we're given new bodies, perfect bodies, right? Like, at, and the Bible doesn't tell how perfect they are or what they are, but, you know, we think of them as being uh, speculating 27 to 33, you know? So mm. I'm looking forward to being 27 again, again. right? Yeah. Like, at, and, and seeing... Uh, 27-year-old Alice Shorman, you know what I mean, or, or, or even, or even uh, Sandy Blank, right, or, or Nancy Miller, yeah. a 27-year-old Nancy Miller would, yeah. be, would be exciting as well, so. Uh-huh. All right. New bodies. All right, Velma. Following through on new bodies, don't forget me. But any, <laughs> anyway, there's a song out uh, I hear about GRC about no scars in heaven. No That's scars. Everybody. Yeah. Mm. But the only scars that are in heaven are the scars on Jesus' hands. Yep, that's great. The only scars we'll see in heaven is the scars on Jesus' hands. Somebody else? What do you think about heaven? All right, I'll be back there. This is uh, something I think about every so often. What is heaven going to be like for me? And um, I think of the peace and the joy. And then when I just was reading, no more crying, no more suffering, no more hearing bad news, just so much peace and quiet for a while. I think they'll be singing, and I want to see Jesus first, and then I don't care. Uh, I want to see family, 
And then I think, what we're going to talk about? There won't be any bad news. So <laughs> I thought, what are we going to say? Yeah. And it's something that crosses my mind. What is heaven? And I think it's going to be a very peaceful, joyful, wonderful time in heaven. Thank you. All right. I saw a hand back here. Is that you, Jenny? When I think about heaven, I think about home. Over the last couple years, with everything that's been going on, Snook said something to me the other week, and I thought, oh, that's deep. And he said, if the people were as much afraid of losing their souls as they are afraid of COVID, there would be a revival like this world has never seen. I think a lot of us have lost sight that heaven is home. This is temporary. This is just the preparation for home. And we need to keep our eyes on home. Okay, who else? Anybody else? I hear somebody. Here you go. Charity. All right. Speak in the microphone. That way the people on the phone can hear. That's why we use a microphone. So distraction, uh, because now there's so much distraction in this world. Our technology is, I think, out of control and is going to take us even deeper into that other world where we forget about God. And heaven, to me, is going to be, instead of always having to find time for God, I'll have time, the unlimited time. Mm. Great. Thank you. All right. Anybody else? All right. I'm working over there. Uh, when I think of heaven, I think of joy and happiness. And when I get to heaven, I can't think of anything that would make me more happy than to go fishing with dad. Mm. I can't imagine the size of fish in heaven. I mean, mm. we're going to need to use uh, bigger rods and, you know, but yeah, just joy and happiness yeah. with yep. family and friends. Yep, thank you. Excellent. Okay, back over on this side. I can't wait to see heaven, to see what it's going to look like, like the color, the sparkle. And earth has many beautiful sunsets and mountains and beaches, but how much better is it going to be in heaven? Mm-hmm. Excellent. I think of heaven, there won't be no more wars, no more abortions, and no more killing of babies. Why else? All right, one more up front. Okay. I think of of worship in heaven and just being able to to sing and and just worship God, you know, all the time. And I think too of the 
you know, that there's no night, that it's always, there's always sun, there's always light and brightness, and that's something to look forward to. Thank you. In the song we just sang, The New Jerusalem, it talked a lot about what heaven is going to be like, but for me it's just going to be a glorious place. Mm. Thank you. I was just thinking of the beauty of heaven and uh, the peace and serenity that we will have. Uh, Again, no wars, no fighting, uh, but just peace. So just looking forward to that. Amen. Thank you. I have to admit that the words to old gospel songs come to mind when we talk to heaven. And I think of I've got a mansion over the hilltop. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we'll never more wander but walk on the streets that are pure as gold. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Isn't it fun to think about heaven? Some things we know and some things we speculate about. Isn't it a great privilege that God gives us? Well, Pastor, you're getting your workout today. I like this. I think we should all keep you guys back there. Raise your hands. I need that. Yeah. But uh, I just think of heaven as living in harmony. There'll be we'll all be on the same team. Mm. There'll be no more Penn State versus Ohio State. Oh. We'll all be on the same team. It'll be awesome. I don't know about the same team, but anyway, I think there will be Penn State fans in heaven, just in case you're wondering. Anybody else? Boy, I don't want to cut out anybody the opportunity. Thank you. I've enjoyed this so much. One of the things that I think about heaven is the instantaneous moment of Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, turn to chapter 20. No, 21, I mean. 21, verse 1. And let me just read the first verse. Then we're going to read the whole section here in a minute. But I want you to think about, for a moment, just this part of the text. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. John the Revelator sees something that's incredible. He sees something that he hasn't really referred to before that I can think of, a new heaven and a new earth, but suddenly he sees this, and it's incredible. At the moment of final judgment from the last chapter, I believe the end of the chapter just before now, Verse 15, between that instant and this description that we're going to read in chapter 21, God brings into existence like that, a new heaven and a new earth. Can you imagine the creative power of God that He can make everything new in an instant? I don't know about time, I think this is the moment that time stops. At least I think of it that way. Time ends right now. 
and eternity begins when God immediately, without, without fanfare, without a lot of description, simply makes a new heaven and a new earth. The creative God who spoke into existence the world way back recorded in the book of Genesis now speaks in the new order that will exist for all of eternity. That's big to me. That's amazing. How God accomplishes all this in an instant, in an, in, in an instantaneous fashion is a beautiful mystery. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. John the Revelator. He has one last amazing, beautiful revelation that God gives him. All throughout the book of Revelation, we've, re- we've read these terms. Then I saw. Then I heard. Then I saw. Then I heard. And here we have in chapter 21 that description, I think in this form, at least for the last time. Then I saw. God gave to John this incredible look. Now let's read that story. Chapter 21. I want to read through verses 14 this morning, and we're going to overlap with our text for next week, but I want to read part of it today. <coughs> then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and He will dwell with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then He said, write down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the city, the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of very precious jewel, like, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, and three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. There's so many things about this description that can be captivating to you, to me, to Whoever reads this description and and dwells on it and thinks about it, uh, what exactly we're being told here. Today I want to focus on what I will call the spiritual qualities of heaven that we see in this text. I want to talk about the spiritual changes that are taking place. Next week, Lord willing, I'm going to focus more on the physical qualities of heaven. The aspect that strikes me here 
as I mentioned a few minutes ago, is the word new. New. There's something new about what God is going to do. And it's the one who was seated on the throne, according to this text. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse 5 says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I want you to focus for a few minutes, if you could, on this statement, I am making everything new. I notice here that it doesn't say, God doesn't say that some things are being made new. He says, I am making everything new. There's something about the new heaven and the new earth that is beyond what we think of, of maybe making things new. I mean, somehow in this statement, because it's actually found several times here, there's something being conveyed, I think, about the creative power of God that the new heaven and the new earth and the new existence will be so different in some ways than the present one that the best way to call it is it, it's new. I do notice, too, who's making this statement? The one who is sitting on the throne. And he says, I am making. God is making. The creative God is making all things new in chapters 21 and 22. I am making all things new. This comes from the throne of Almighty God. This comes from the voice and the person of the Creator, the awesome, the powerful. And he says, all things new. It's spoken into existence in this chapter. So what do we think? What is new about what heaven will be like? Excuse me. What will be new about heaven? What newness is being described here several times? Number one, just to simply say, oversimplify and say, all things will be new. All things. So, what are the things about us and about heaven that will be new? Even more than we can imagine, there'll be a change of order, a change of of what we understand and what, what we see that will be absolutely incredible. We do know that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. Not just a new earth, but a new heaven and a new earth. Somehow what God created way back there in Genesis, He's going to recreate something different in some ways than what existed back then. It's a new heaven it will emerge out of the old heaven and a new earth. An earth that will be different. It will be fixed. It will be faultless. It will be beautiful. It will be different than the old earth. But it will be an earth that we will recognize and understand to be earth. I also think something new will be a new body for every soul. Every single person that has died up to that time will receive a new body, as I, uh, Lee talked about. I don't know how young or old that body will be. I'm not sure if it will look like what we have now. There's a lot of things about this new body that we just speculate about. How much of it is a, a symbol? How much of it is a, an exact representation of who we were or what we were on earth? I'm not sure about that, but the promise is every single believer will have a new body. Have a new body without any problems, any warts, any faults, any physical 
maladies. I believe any mental maladies, any emotional maladies. When God gives us a new body, the, the term body, it doesn't just mean the physical bones, but the, the nature of our, of our being that God created us in His own image will be made new. New is important to know here. God gives us something very new and special and different. God's going to bring together the souls of every believer in the history of his relationship with man and give them a new body in the new heaven and the new earth. And so, yes, there will be a newness about that. There's also going to be a newness about our relationship with God. And it will be different than it was before. God will give us a new relationship with him. And there will be some things about that that will be different. Again, speculating exactly what, I'm not sure. But we do have, I believe, a few signs in here. Something else that God makes new is our relationship with Him. There's a theological term that I love. Yet it's not one that we talk about that often. I do talk about it when I preach funerals often. And that's called glorification. Glorification. If you look it up on the internet, it's a theological term that talks about what does God do to us when we die and we go to heaven? What happens to our nature? What happens to our bodies, our minds, our, our weaknesses, our faults? Glorification is the idea that God makes all things new in us when we go to heaven. God takes us on earth and He knows where our weaknesses and our frailties are and our problems are. And He does something for us when He glorifies us so that we will be in heaven in a different nature than we were on earth. I think this is a, a beautiful uh, idea. It's a beautiful thought about what God does. Again, a lot of this we speculate about what exactly it is. Number one, we know that God will resurrect us and give us a new body. The psalmist said that in chapter 49. In the book of Daniel, we read Daniel long ago, what, 2,500 years ago. Daniel talked a little bit about this idea that God will bring us out of the grave and He will give us something new and different. Chapter 12, verse 1 of Daniel, we read this many months ago. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. He's describing the last, the end times that we've just studied about. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. The idea of the resurrection runs deep in the Bible. And that on this day, God will resurrect our souls and bring a new body to us is a beautiful and an amazing process. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says it like this. Verses, chapter 15, verse 42 through 45. This is the kind of the New Testament idea of what happens to our bodies. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised to glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam a life-giving spirit. 
This scripture reminds us that God will give us a different kind of existence. And the word glory, this is where this kind of this theology in part comes from. That God will glorify us. And he's going to change us. You think, well, what do you mean by that, pastor? What do you mean that God's going to give you something different at that time? I kind of think of it like this. When, we, when God makes all things new, he's going to give us new life. And he's going to give us a life that is cleansed and healed. Somehow he's going to take our lives and he's going to go through it. And he's going to clean it out and he's going to heal it. I think he's going to take out the sin nature, I think. I know that there's not going to be a tempter in heaven. And I think when he takes out that sin nature and his presence is with us, that will be what life will really be great and wonderful in heaven. We won't have that nature of sin. We won't have the possibility of sin. We won't have a tempter. So already when we get to heaven in the glorified state, God has cleansed those things away from us. And then I call it like this. God puts within us God's DNA. There's something about heaven that seems to be told in this scripture and other places that God has something inside of us in heaven that cleans out. And it takes away those things inside of us that can cause us to go astray in God's eyes. I also see in this scripture, there is no longer any sea. No more death. No more decay. No more disease. No more of any of those things that we see in this life and at times they, they grip us with sorrow and pain and fear. It'll be gone forever. We're not told that'll be gone in this life. It won't be. But it will be gone in that life forever and ever. We also read in this scripture about the wonder of the bride. Prepared as a bride. That beautiful symbol that is a part of and, and uh, uh, woven throughout the scripture of the, the church and Christ. The bride is what the scriptures have defined God's people as. So when you hear that term, that's the reference there. God's people in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. So there's many illustrations and comparisons in the Bible about being the bride of God. It's because it's God's people when we think of, I think this fits our day and our culture pretty good. When, when women are getting ready for a wedding, watch out, you know. You think of all the special things that are important in a, a beautiful wedding. So many times, families and the ladies are worried about all the details and how to do this and how to, now it's a, I know this is a generality, but you know, there's just the excitement about the bride getting ready, having the right things, having the right clothes, having the right... Whatever in the wedding, there's a preparation time that happens. And in the, the Bible, Jesus talked about that in a couple of his parables about the preparing for it and how precious and how special that is. Preparing. God has been preparing the church for all of eternity for this day of Revelation chapter 21. It's a beautiful symbol of God's people. Excitement. There's, there's excitement. There's beauty. There's anticipation. There's that wonder of, of God and His church. God and His people being forever united in a precious way. The church, the bride of Christ. And then there's in these verses this beautiful promise in chapter 21 of God's presence. 
that God will be with us. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. This is the promise God makes there. If there will be such a joining together of God and His people, that will be beautiful and marvelous. If you try to imagine today what you think heaven will be like physically and what you see and just what you speculate it might be like, it may be different for all of us, but you have a picture. But also I want you to think about what the picture of the relationship with God will be like. Somehow God comes to us and He says in this chapter in heaven that there will be a, a belonging to each other. Both directions between God and His bride, God and His people. It'll be a, a special possession. We are the possession of God, not in a possessive way, but in a way of great love that the eternal, creative, heavenly Father sees us as belonging to Him. And the word in here is children. We are His children. He will be our God and we will be His children. There's belonging. There's mutual joy. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. That's for eternity. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come at times and speak to the people, but didn't stay there. Then Jesus came, as uh, the, the one who came to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us, and He went back to heaven. The Holy Spirit came in the, the days of the church in our day, and He promises to be with us. In heaven, the fullness of God will be with us forever and ever and ever. The fullness of God. God with us. That's a beautiful thought to me. Verse 4 gives us another picture of heaven. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Well, that's something we quote, don't we, at times. I have. Maybe you have or not. But there will be a day where God will wipe all tears from everyone's eyes that are in heaven. Every tear. Every tear you have had, God knows why. God understands. And someday, God will make right every single tear. I mean, this is a strong promise here. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Who will? God will. God will somehow take our life's circumstances and issues and problems. And as I said at this instantaneous point at chapter 21, God will make everything right for those that are His children. Imagine what that would be. Imagine your life and think about your life. Somehow God knows the pain of every single person and He will make it right. He will take those things that are part of our life and He will correct things that need to be corrected. God will heal people in an instant when we get to heaven. I think of the healing power of God. I think of God's ability to know us and know where we're at and what we carry and what hurts us. I think of the tears of humanity over time. Racism, war, 
abortion, greed, selfishness, the tongue, anger, abuse. Think of all the pain that has existed in the history of the world. In an instant, I believe, God's going to wipe every tear from every eye and there won't be any more in heaven. We've already read there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order has passed away. The old order was an order of sin and pain and death and tears. And in heaven, God's going to wipe that all away. Somehow God's going to make up for the injustices in the history of this world. He's going to set things straight. Somehow God's going to take into consideration the pain of every person. He's going to take into consideration the consequences of sin. Think of the the tears of humanity. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. I'm so thankful that that's the picture of heaven that I feel and I sense today. The wonder of a God who will heal the hurts of this world and all of humanity. He speaks also, to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring, from the springs, the water of life. God gives us an inheritance. The inheritance that God gives us, He says, will be to those who are victorious. I will be their God. And they will be My people. You think of the inheritance that God has for each of us today in heaven. Think about inheritance and how important inheritance can be in this life and what it says Not so much about the financial part, but that's a part of it, but more about the passing on of something to the next generation. And in this Scripture, we have this picture of inheritance that the eternal God gives His children a precious inheritance. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be My children. And then He promises that uh, the, the, the water of life. I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. All throughout the Bible we've understood God's Spirit is, is being expressed in water and the pouring out of the Spirit. There will be a pouring out of God's Spirit in heaven that will be an amazing newness that we can uh, will be able to experience in a very precious way. I pray and hope that you sense the spiritual blessings of what heaven's going to be like. That you'll think about the, the newness of heaven and how precious that is. God will be your God and you will be His people. I'm thankful today for the wonder and the joy that God is going to make all things new in everyone's heart and everyone's life. And I hold on to that about heaven. Next week, we're going to look at the physical qualities 
that are found in this text, in this chapter, and there's so many of them, the spiritual and the physical. Would you stand together? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the picture of heaven that you give us. Though a, a small glimpse, it is a glimpse into the wonder and the amazing nature of what you are planning for God's people. I pray, God, that we would uh, sense the reality of the power of heaven today, I pray. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for the promises that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today.